This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. France the author. What is up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, also from Dogs 24-7. And uh, listen, we, we, haven't been, uh, we haven't been able to get together for a podcast. One reason or another, guys, I'm telling you, it's kind of been like, I don't know. It, it's just kind of, we've been picked off at every turn over the last week, 10 days, two weeks. It's been absolutely nuts. Uh, but we're back, and, and hopefully... Um, our aim is to get kind of a little bit back on a little bit of a normal schedule with the season approaching with preseason camp on the way. We're going to talk about preseason camp. We're going to talk about SEC media days. Uh, that was a week ago. And uh, we're going to talk about the commitment of Branson Robinson late last week and kind of what that means for Georgia in recruiting. And, and you know, I, I've also got a little story I'm going to share from SEC media days uh, that was kind of an off-the-record but shareable thing with, uh, with JT Daniels. But, Kip um, – let's just jump right into this thing and talk about SEC media days. There were some, and, you know, I, I don't know with, with our CBS affiliation that we can, you know, discuss exactly which books they were, but there were some books, maybe just one book. I'm not sure that vaulted JT Daniels up the Heisman odds after SEC media days. Was there anything now I've got my own opinion on this, but I was actually there. Were you, privy to anything watching it on television that would make you you know that would kind of give you the impression or or give you a reason to think yeah that's why they pushed him up the Heisman rankings I mean as far as Vegas odds go I mean they're usually when those numbers change you usually you open your eyes a little bit and, and kind of start looking around start searching it in the internet to see if you know maybe something's changed whether you know injury or you know, this the overall outlook, projections change, someone has a huge game, things of that nature. I can't really put a, you know, a tangible reason on why speaking at SEC Media Days would, would move the needle as far as Vegas is concerned. But, you know, just with, with last year and how the offseason went, how it was different in, in, in so many different ways, being able to return to the SEC media days and kind of get, you know, a closer look at a lot of the the featured players at, at these programs, the the players that are selected to represent each of these schools. JT, obviously, this was the first time a lot of people got to really see him and and hear him talk as 
you know, basically the face of Georgia's program right now, you know, as a, a second year player and, and, you know, a former transfer. And obviously JT is, you know, he kind of uh, marches to the beat of a different tune. He's got, a, you know, his own personality, his, you know, his own way of looking at everything. But all, also, he's a fascinating interview. I mean, it, just the way that he approaches not just the sport, but just overall, you know, being a student athlete and being at Georgia, he, he's very uh, just captivating the way that the, he handles, you know, the media and all the questions. So I think he did an outstanding job, nothing but positive feedback and, and reviews from all the media. I'm not sure that there, you know, there's a huge value in that just as far as, you know, nailing the interview is great, but it doesn't really tell you all there is to know about someone's ability to, you know, to play the game. It, I mean, if anything, I guess it tells you that maybe he's he's got poise and he carries himself well. But other than that, uh, you know, I didn't really take anything from it. I thought it was very interesting. I immediately saw that the numbers had changed a little bit. I guess Vegas is saying – yeah, this guy has it. He has the it factor, and he, he has what it takes to to maybe de- be that difference maker for Georgia quarterback that they've kind of been searching for, and that everyone's been waiting to see if Georgia can get a you know a dynamic quarterback, a leader who can take them, you know, to the mountaintop. And then if Vegas is saying that he might be the one, then that's definitely something to to keep an eye on, without having played a single snap of the uh, twenty twenty one season. Yeah, I definitely I, that's that's kind of my thinking there too, Kip. Is is like, okay, well Vegas saw something. Those guys really aren't in the business of being wrong. Um also it could be a situation where they kind of want to see what happens. You know, they you know, they may move the line a little bit or move that move that those odds and kind of see how it goes. But I know from being there in person, and it's the first time, by the way, incredibly nice to be back in person talking to these guys in person, talking to Kirby in person. It was just it was just good. It was good to see everybody and, and have a chance. We, we joked around with Kirby uh, before our interview with him um, a little bit and, and cracked up. Somebody said something about being good looking, and Kirby said, you guys ain't that, uh, something like that. And he, he was he, – you could tell, um, you know, even he was able to kind of relax a little bit, and I thought he was great in our, in our session with him before uh, they took the stage. But – you know, in, in meeting JT Daniels for the first time, I was super impressed, man. Like, I just was. Like, he carries himself so, so differently. And I don't even want to just say confidently. There's just – there's a little bit of a swagger there. I mean, I know confidence goes with that. But there's a swagger there. There's a seriousness there. There's a realness there that, you know, is pretty impressive. You know, you look at a guy like Jake Fromm or Aaron Murray. I always thought that those guys were were impressive, but they were rehearsed. JT Daniels doesn't seem rehearsed. He's coming off the cuff. He's kind of telling you how he really feels about things. I mean, he had a quote where he talked about his first, you know, his first little bit of practice there with Georgia. And and he said that, you know, there were times whenever he was running the scout team where he was like, I don't know if I'm meant to play this game because of you know, guys like Jordan Davis and Adam Anderson and, and, and you know, Lewis Seen out there running around. He's like, I've never really seen anything like this. I don't know if I'm meant to play this game. And, and you know, that was, that was a very candid comment. And the story, the, the kind of the thing I wanted to share is so, you know, obviously first time meeting him in person, I'd never seen him. Automatically you try to size him up. He, you know, he's listed at 6'3 on Georgia's 
uh, you know, chart. And I, I'm he's kind of bent over a little bit trying to fix his pants, and I don't really know how tall he is at that point. And so, uh, you know, we're talking. I was like, hey, I guess it's the first time we've ever really met you in person. He goes, yeah, I didn't really think about that. Uh, now you know I'm not 6'3", uh, you know, and I, I kind of looked at him weird. And he goes, yeah, 6'1 is some change, maybe 6'2", not 6'3", but I appreciate it, though. And I was like, wow. I mean, I mean that, that kind of got it off on a foot where you're like, you know, I'm dealing with an honest dude here. And, you know, I thought that Kirby Smart's comments about him talking about how yeah, I mean, I'm you know he may has grown you know grown some mentally and and, and in the offense, but his may his main growth has been physically with mobility, with strength, with weight. Um, I thought that was very very telling as as far as the kind of off season he's had. Um, you know, listening to Jordan Davis talk and the, and those things, but it was a lot of it centered around JT Daniels and Kip. I wanted to go real quick to another couple topics. Obviously, Eric Gilbert's cleared uh, in terms of academically that, that Kirby Smart expects him to be uh, expects him to be eligible. Uh, Rusty's reported that. I've reported that. We have all kind of known that for a little while. Um, George Pickens, uh, Kirby says that he's running straight line and he's progressing, you know, really well. I think it's very, very good for Georgia that George Pickens in July still very much engaged in this whole thing. What are your thoughts on that? It's better than the alternative. I mean, I think at this point, all you can really do is is kind of, uh, you know, keep marching on and, and hope for no setbacks and, and see, uh, you know, what the next day brings. And so, that, I mean, that's what George is doing. He's continuing to work. I mean, he's continued to be a, an active part of the program. You know, it, it definitely – beats the alternative we we saw last year how big of an impact having someone opt out of a season can make you know on, on a program and they're overall just you know being thrown curveball after curveball in that regard I think that George is doing everything you, you could hope for as far as just continuing to be a teammate continuing to you know be active in George's offseason as he continues to try to recover from a major injury. So will he suit up and put pads on for Georgia and take the field again? I think you can't answer a question like that in July. As a wise man on this pod has said often, you know, those questions will be answered. But I think right now, everything that you could hope for with George Pickens and his recovery, you know, you've gotten and – Georgia has bounced back as far as attacking that transfer portal and adding another impact pass catcher in Eric Gilbert. But, you know, if they're able to to get Pickens back whatever time this season, would be huge. Uh, this offense, you add another guy like that, if he's able to go out there and be, you know, 80 85% of, of what he's done uh, the first uh, couple of years in Athens, then I think Georgia's offense could – you know, be really, really, really difficult to defend as if, you know, it already projects to be one of the most talented offenses in the country. But I don't think you could really, you know, gain too much from, from what's been said so far about Georgia's uh, progression from the injury. Other than that, there's nothing bad, you know, no negative. And that's all you can hope for when you're talking about rehab you know, just like with other players that are returning from injury in Georgia's wide receiver room, 
And you look at Dominic Blaylock. You look at Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. You know, no news is good news with those guys as well as you just continue to to hope that, that they can get back on the field and, and, and get back to where they were this fall because two other guys that are immensely talented and, and figure to potentially help Georgia win some football games this fall. You know, one of the things with George Pickens, and, and this is something my antenna is up on this at all times, every update we get, every single time I – Every time we get an update from Kirby, every time I talk to a source and and hear that George Pickens is still locked in, I, obviously the chances for, you know, in my mind go up that George is going to get him back because I really do believe. And I told multiple people this at SEC Media Days. You know, I had a few reporters that covered different teams. You know, hey, what, what do you think is going to happen with George Pickens? You know, is he going to be – and most of them weren't even thinking about the fact that yeah, you know, if he's going to miss a, a big, a decent portion of the season, maybe he just does the 2021 version of opting out, protects his draft interest, and enters the NFL draft. Rusty has said, you know, before, and, and you know, obviously, you know, we know Rusty real well. We know Rusty's connected, and we, and we respect him. But Rusty has said on multiple occasions that, you know, he'll be surprised if George Pickens is back in a George uniform. No inside knowledge there. Just one of those things that, that you know, kind of a gut feeling, kind of a, you know, playing the odds type thing. And I understand that line of thinking, but I, th- I feel like with every single update, with every single time that I hear from from Kirby or a source that George Pickens is, is still locked in, still engaged, still working his way back, still doing stuff with the team, I think the chances get greater that, that he's going to be back with the team. Because, you know, listen, when – a few years ago when, when Devad Wilson tore his ACL, and I may have mentioned this on a podcast. I know I've mentioned it on our board. When Devad Wilson tore his ACL during spring drills, he was ready, physically cleared to come back like November, maybe late October. But Devad Wilson was a true freshman. He didn't know what to do. He had to get, he had to get up to speed on the he – he had to get a lot of reps that he had just hadn't gotten. And so that took him some time, and it wasn't until the bowl game that he made an appearance and he played well. George Pickens doesn't need that. It's a different animal for him. He understands the offense. He knows what to do. He's been in, you know, been played. Now, will they play him the first week he's cleared? Heck, I don't know. Probably not. But he's going to get a lot of work, a lot of non-contact work, you know, at, at one of those checkpoints there at the very end when when uh, when he's cleared to do a, most of the things, but maybe not everything. And so I think all of that's really important. And, and like I said, with each passing day, with each, you know, update that he's, he's still engaged. He wants to be out there. I mean, yeah, that's, exactly. just, that's, that's who George is. It's, you know, it's not – you can't hold it against someone who's coming off an injury and, and looks and knows that they have a chance to be drafted soon and just, you know, goes down that route of preparing for that outlet – and George might decide that down the road. I mean, at any point. It, yeah, that, and that's still that that can happen at the drop of a hat. But George, but we know the competitor George Pickens is, and we know that you see him out there in the field. We've watched him. You've watched it get the better of him in games. You know, you think about that Georgia Tech game, <laughs> and, and how he basically just took the guy into the wall. You know, and that was that competitive spirit that he has. And it's something that we've really never questioned uh, as far as, you know, his love for the game and, and his, his desire to go out there and dominate his opponent and seeing that what Georgia has in front of them and the opportunity Georgia has to play in some really important games 
you know, potentially in December and January, if they can take care of business, is got to be motivating him, you know, maybe not as much, but near as much as that, that next level. And while George has got great film to showcase to uh, NFL scouts, you know, he's, he's not a finished product and he still has a chance, you know, maybe he's a late third, third or late second, third round pick right now. He still has money on the table that he could make by coming back and showcasing his ability to not just come back from injury, but the, shine in big games when Georgia needs them most and really put out more film for them to evaluate. And maybe he puts himself into that, you know, right around the end of the first round, somewhere in that, you know, 20 to 35 range. And I mean, we're talking about multiple millions of dollars that he, he has the chance to, to make. And also, as we said, kind of etch out that, that last chapter in, in his story in college as being someone who came back, as quickly as possible from a major injury and helped uh, his program compete potentially, you know, for SEC and national championships. Like I said, it remains to be seen if, if that's even something he's able to do, but he hasn't closed that book yet. And so I don't think we should either. I'm telling you undefeated one loss, Georgia, George Pickens is cleared in early November. I think he comes back. I just do. I, I'm just, I'm starting to get that feeling and I, I think George Pickens would definitely come on and try to get George to get there. And I think George Pickens would benefit great, greatly from it because you look, and there are a lot of zero, one, two catch games. He hasn't played – he doesn't have a big body of work with a quarterback that really kind of fits his, his system. You know, he had Fromm as a freshman, and they had some good times together. But, you know, George was inconsistent. That was Fromm's worst year. I think a, a a good finish to the to the 2021 season with JT Daniels would be good for him, and I think also clearing some of those mental hurdles, taking a few hits, uh, making it through a few games, and and then you know getting a chance to if he does decide to go pro at that point, um, preparing for the NFL Combine, you know after playing in some football games, I think you just I think there's just a lot of good that can come of it. Obviously, there's a chance to get injured too. And that's something they've got to evaluate. That's a that's a kind of count your cost type deal, and and something you work out with yourself and your family. But I, I just believe if George is very much in contention, UGA is very much in contention. I, I feel like my George and Georgias are are getting a little bit run together here. Uh, but I feel like if UGA is in a, in in contention when George gets cleared, I, I think he's going to come back, and and I think he's got a chance to come back and play well. I think his game translates well. Um, you know, to, to JT Daniel style, evidenced by the fact that, you know, he had, you know, he averaged, I think, right at 100 yards a game or over 100 yards a game with JT Daniels at quarterback. Let's jump into a break here real quick, Kip. Let's talk about kind of like preseason camp coming up and then Georgia's latest commitment, uh, a four-star running back, Adam Mississippi, Branson Robinson. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Kip, we got preseason camp coming up. We got a big recruiting weekend coming up, but a couple things I really wanted to talk about about camp and kind of maybe relay it back to to SEC media days. And I wanted to ask you this question. And and this is one you're not prepared for because I, I I'm gonna ambush you with this one. Uh when when preseason camp comes and goes, are Georgia's three transfers starters? for the 2021 season are they are are georgia's three and by starters i mean you know 50 snap a game type guys are georgia's three transfers eric gilbert on offense tyke smith and darian kendrick on defense are all three of those 50 snap a game starters i think it's pretty clear that these guys are set up to be starters at georgia and that's why Georgia attacked the transfer portal the way they did, as Kirby Smart said. I mean, when you have a roster like this, you don't just take guys in the portal to take them. You take them because you need them. You need them to come in and play a major role. Now, you know, when you start getting nitpicky with the starter role, depending on what formation Georgia comes out on offense, you know, maybe he's not tech. Eric Gilbert isn't technically a starter. You mentioned how the snap count as well. I mean, it all really depends on the looks they're, they're getting out there. But even still, I don't think, you know, for the most part, it really matters what the defense gives you out there. You put Eric Gilbert on the field and let him go in motion and see what that defense is doing at that point. If there's a cornerback on them, then, uh, you know, let it fly. I think Tyke Smith, it, he's just got outstanding film. I don't I don't see a situation where, where he doesn't start, you know, likely in that star position just because of how great of a fit it is and what he's already shown production-wise. Darren Kendrick, I guess, is the kind of the wild card a little bit there. It's definitely a position that Georgia needs experience and, you know, and somebody who can come in immediately and, and help them with a team like Clemson in that season opener. Talent-wise, experience-wise, you know, he, he is at the top of the board there. It, it all comes down to, you know, is he coming in focus? Is, and is, and which Darian Kendrick are you going to get? I think Georgia throws him out there to see, see what they have in the season opener. So I, I think if, if he comes out there and, and, and plays well, you know, I think he could stick on, on, on what quarterback side, cornerback side for the, for the rest of the season. And the other two, I, I think those guys are pro- – I mean, I'm not going to lock them in because you know, Kirby hates that. And it's always a competition, even though if you got guys penciled in at, at starters across the board, he's still going to want them to get pushed by the other players on the roster. Obviously, Georgia has a lot of talented guys that, in the receiving core and in the secondary that could easily – make a move and, and start. But, you know, the, to answer your question, I, I say yes. I think all three of those guys are set up to start. Uh, and they're going to have to, you know, kind of earn it and be productive out there. But I don't see really a situation where if all goes the way it should, that those guys aren't double-digit starters by the end of Georgia's season. 
You know, I I believe that all three of them are going to be starters. I believe all three of them are going to be 50-snap-a-game guys. I'm starting to get to the point where my expectations are the highest for Eric Gilbert. Um, just hearing how JT Daniels talked about him, I think George is going to use him all in, in multiple different ways. And and I wasn't sure how he fit, fit in early on, but I love the idea of wide receiver, tight end slot, you know, a little bit of everything. And, uh, I, I, you know, just hearing some of the things that JT Daniels had to say about him uh, led me to believe that he's really standing out. He's really doing some good things. And, and, and you know, we've reported over at Dogs 24-7 he's having a great summer. I think Darian Kendrick is going to play and play a ton simply because, you know, Kirby Smart kind of low-key uh, mentioned the fact that Darian Kendrick had played in a defense that does things secondary-wise that are very similar to what Georgia does. On the, in the same token, he mentioned something that we've mentioned before, which is Tyke Smith doing something a little bit different than what Georgia's done at West Virginia. Now, he's playing for his defensive backs coach, but I don't think that means a whole lot when you're doing something completely different. And uh, Tyke Smith is the guy I have – a few doubts about in terms of his playing time. Now, I think he's still a very good player. I still think he's going to play a lot. But I could also see Georgia kind of doing a timeshare like they've done in the past at that star position. Tyke playing 25, 30, 40 snaps a game maybe. Maybe even as many as 50. Uh, but but maybe sharing some time with a Latavius Brinney or with a third cornerback or or with Adam Anderson in, in different roles, different times, different places. Uh, so, so that's kind of the way I look at that. I just kind of wanted to get your take on that because obviously, you know, Kip, I, I don't know if you can believe this or not. Those three guys, their transition has been really smooth. They're, they're fitting in great, according to Kirby Smart, JT Daniels, and, and, and Jordan Davis. I know you probably didn't expect that. I know you probably expected, you know, hey, we're having, he hasn't grown on us yet. You know, we we're just not really liking him a whole lot right now. I know you expected them to say something like that, but they, they told us that they're smoothly fitting in and they're ready to go and they're veterans and, and lots of good stuff and they're really excited about them. Uh, but, you know, that, that to me, uh, you know, just kind of hearing just in the specifics of what they had to say, Kirby's comments on the, on the DBs and then JT Daniels' comments on Eric Gilbert really kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit. Uh, Counter question. Yeah, what's up? Throw one to you. Over-unders, people love over-unders. Eric Gilbert, 40 catches, 500 yards, five touchdowns. You taking the over or under? I mean, that's kind of loaded, man. I got to take over on all – I got to take a uh, – that's like an like over-under parlay, right? Hey, man, you got you got to earn it. I mean, we're not handing these out. Well, what am I you, you got, you got, what, what am I what, – okay, if I hit, if I hit, what does it pay? <laughs> you get your money back. Are we? Are we? Are we play, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm saying hypothetically. Are we talking like like plus five thousand? No, I'll give that one probably a, <laughs> a plus, plus three hundred on that one. <laughs> oh, you giving me three to one odds on that? That's pretty good, man. Oh, I like man. it. I, I need if I he need, if uh, he gets if he gets the first the first one, he's probably getting the second one. Those are kind of tied. I mean, he's gonna get. Probably what fourteen? Uh, yeah, now you're getting into my, now you're getting into my golf betting stuff. Now you're getting into my when I when I bet somebody to go top twenty, top ten, top five and win, um, all in the same. Two all of them the are pretty week. close together. It's the third one you got to really. I mean, if, if he doesn't hit the first one, he's probably done for the second one anyway. So well, I mean, he okay. had thirty five catches for three hundred and sixty eight yards in what eight games? Was, was he play eight games last year? 
let's say he plays 13 this year. That's a natural progression second year in college as well. I, I, I mean, I, some would say he probably went a little low on the numbers. I, I mean, the yeah. touchdown catch is really – that's really where it's just you never really know. You know, maybe they're, they're putting two on him and, you know, it opens something else up. What situation is George in? Or, you know, are they right there at the 10? How many – you know, it's so random on the touchdown catch. But, I mean, again, you look at Kyle Pitts as a sophomore. He went he, – you know, he went over on, on – on catches and yards, he got the he got the push on the touchdown. I think that's that's the toughest one. Five touchdowns is probably a push situation, but you know, hey, that's still a pretty good parlay if you, if you know you got a good chance to get two out of three. And and technically, I guess it's not a parlay because if it was a parlay, I could pick over under on each one of them individually. Uh, You're welcome to do that as well. I'll, I'll over, let you have that one. Yeah, the over and and the over hitting on all three wouldn't pass. So anyway. Uh, I was just kind of messing around with you on that. I don't really care what the odds are. I'm taking over. I, even if it was even money, I'd take the over. Um, or if it's even money, I wouldn't take the bet at all. Probably wouldn't take. I the wouldn't bet take if it was the anything. bet, but I agree with you. I, any, I wouldn't take the bet at all if it was anything less than ten to one. And then I would then I would probably take the over on all three. Um, you know, just to just to bet ten and make a hundred, or bet a hundred make a thousand. So, uh, but you know, I, I like that, and I think that's a good place to set it too, because you know the 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 whole the one area that I do think is a little kind of, you know, if you're looking at them proportionally, the one area I do see is 40 catches for 500 yards. I think Eric Gilbert's got a chance to average 15 yards a grab this year. And so I think that's, that's an area, you know, we talk about patrol in the middle of the field. He's not really a short catch and run type guy. Um, so I, I think he's going to do, and I think the touchdowns may come a little bit more naturally to him um, than, than the other numbers do, um, I, just because of the, his ability to do, to do some stuff in the red zone and to box defenders out and, and, and in his ability to be a mismatch if Georgia wants to run one of those heavy packages and bring him in tight and then try to find a, a mismatch with Eric Gilbert down near the goal line. I think that's a very good way to kind of exploit teams, um, you know, trying to come in and stop the run. So he, he offers Georgia a lot of different ways to attack teams. So I'd take the over on all three. All right, let's talk Branson Robinson, man. Um, man, I tell you what, Kip, I, I've seen the videos of this kid lifting weights and all that stuff. I, I've seen it all. But seeing some of the pictures that came from that commitment ceremony, I mean, there's the Nick Chubb comparisons and things like that. Rusty on CBS Sports HQ compared him to Mark Ingram. I don't know that I've ever really seen a high school running back quite put together like this. And I think it's a major get for Georgia. And, you know, listen, we talk to people, we have sources. I've got a, I've got a connection very close to this one who says that this has been a Del McGee dig his heels in, go all in after this kid for months and and that, that whenever he made that decision, when 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 he shut you know decided to commit to Georgia, shut his recruitment down, Del McGee, very happy man. Um, what are your thoughts on Branson Robinson? Just to go back to your other statement, I'm actually I'm actually frightened by how how strong Branson Robinson is. I I, I couldn't. I remember obviously you know Nick Chubb, uh, very athletic and and. It, you know, his weight room numbers are always eye-popping, but I just think at this stage, to be able to deadlift 720 pounds, I mean, that, that's just a ridiculous number. I mean, the, the, 
the the bench press sure i mean being three three seventy you know that's that's huge and the squat i mean I think he probably could squat more it's it's tough to really you know to get some of these match maxes in the high school you you know you gotta be safe out there and so six thirty he probably you know could have done a lot more than that, but at some point you gotta stop the kid <laughs> you know and preserve him for the actual football season in his future and that's that's I remember that with Nick Chubb as well. It was just a situation where listen, you could probably keep going, but let's not keep going let's you know let's make sure that you're able to to keep playing football and then that's when I see seven hundred and twenty pounds deadlift that's what I'm thinking like. How do you how do you let him keep going? At some point, you know that's enough for a football player, and I just think that's kind of where he is in, in the deadlift. So as far as his strength is concerned, yeah, the Madden rating, I mean, it's got to be already be in, in the nineties for him. As far as a football player, yeah, I mean the film looks great. Uh, he's very productive. I love the balance and vision that he has, and. I think it's obviously a huge get. This is a guy that Del McGee's eared in on early, as you said, and, and got his guy. Uh, it's an outstanding running back group once again for Del McGee, and I just think you look at Georgia when they bring in two running backs in the class, they, they've done pretty well you know, with the running back duos in the past. And Jordan James is a great compliment to what Branson Robinson brings to the table, a guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything. So – George, we're talking about Georgia opening up the offense, the passing attack. Uh, I don't think that the ground game's going anywhere. And, uh, it, you know, if anything, I think that the future is as bright as it's ever been under Kirby Smart, just as far as recruiting that position and, and looking at what these guys might be able to do at Georgia. So I think it's a huge addition for, for Georgia. Uh, Branson's a guy that – gets compared to a lot of different guys just because of his size being you know 510 220 plus pounds and and being as strong as he is you can throw out all those names you can throw out the mark ingram the trent richardson just guys that were able to carry the load and be feature backs in the sec you know at school at georgia josh jacobs is the guy that coming out of college i don't think you, know, you didn't come into college with the same size as Branson, but you just look at his game and what he was able to do, you know, at Alabama. That's a guy that if you're looking at a, you know, potential ceiling for, for what Branson brings to the table, I, I think his running style is outstanding. Just as a guy that can, he can slash if he needs to, but he can impose his will at any time when he wants to. Just because of the the vision the bend and and his ability to to really be a one cut bell cow lead back in the SEC. You have to be decisive, but you also have to you have to know where the hole should be and not you know not not fall victim to basically the the false the false holes. You you see a gap open up that really isn't the you know shouldn't be there, isn't the intention of the run. Sometimes a guy will bounce in there and it, it fills up immediately because that's not the intention of the run. And I think you look at the film at the high school level and, and Branson Robinson does a good job not doing that and, and letting everything open up the way it's supposed to be. And I mean, I think that's really undervalued, you know, skill set to have. So 
I didn't get to see Marshawn Lynch. You know, that's he's before my time as a prospect, but what he does in the NFL, that's exactly what Branson Robinson does on his high school film. Like I said, finding that one cut and 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 making the right move, and but being patient, decisive, especially on the outside run, being very stout at the point of attack. He's not a guy that uh, one tackler can bring down very easily, if ever. You know, at the high school level. So, I, if you look at the question marks with him, obviously we don't have. People bring it up a lot. Uh, looking at the ranking, why isn't he rated higher? You know, wh- why isn't this guy the obvious number one running back in, in the class? He might be. It's just, does he have that that home run speed? Does he have that consistent explosiveness to make multiple guys miss? And and you know, is there some stiffness in there? You know, those are questions that he could still answer in a senior film. He could end up being the number one guy across the board. He definitely has the the talent. And the physical ability to to be a lead back at Georgia and be very productive in college. You know, he reminds me of two different guys. They both have the same first name, um, and, and kind of bits and pieces of his game. Obviously, from a physique standpoint, and kind of that violent. You know, you watch him, and you're like, man, this guy is like he's every every run is almost like he's trying to fight to the surface for air. Um, reminds me of Elijah Holyfield. Uh, just because, you know, I think he's faster. I think he's more explosive than Holyfield. I think he's bigger. And I think he's actually, you know, despite Elijah's, you know, massive frame and, and how well put together he was at the young age, I think Branson's actually significantly stronger. But with the way they're put together, it kind of reminds me of, of, of you know, they're kind of similar in that regard. And then Elijah Hood, who played at North Carolina. I mean, if you're talking about a guy 1,400 yards rushing, and uh, I believe in the 2015 season, uh, he was a tad bit taller than Branson Robinson, but a but a big physical downhill back, good speed, uh, good lateral quickness. Um, you know, a little maybe a little bit of stiffness there. Not a huge passing game threat. Can do some things in the passing game, but not really his calling card. You know, I think that's a guy that that he really reminds me of as a college back. And you know, listen, things didn't pan out for Elijah Hood. I think he dealt with some injuries. Um, during his uh, final game of uh, – or during his final season at North Carolina. But uh, but ultimately, he had a really good college career and had, you know, a couple of an amazing years for North Carolina. So, I think he's a guy that that also um, can, you can kind of draw comparisons with. And, listen, if you're going to open it up, Kip, and, and you know, this is kind of the last thing we want to hit on here. If you're going to open it up and you're going to be an offense that can throw it around – and hit the open guy and and kind of make spread teams out, make teams fear your passing game. What better type of guy would you want than a hammer that when teams feel like, hey, if you're in nickel, we, we may try to overcompensate a little bit, go with a third cornerback type, maybe maybe put a liability against the run on the field at safety or or, or at or at nickel why wouldn't you want to have a hammer type running back that you, maybe you don't even block that guy. Maybe you like your chances of, of your running back against one guy one-on-one in space and you can get a numbers advantage that way. I mean, that's, that's what you want me to look at what Alabama did last year. Okay. You look at what Ohio state did last year. Both teams got to the national championship with a very big, very physical running back carrying the load. Najee Harris, Trey Sermon, uh, you look at the, you know, you look at the year before with Tennessee. I mean, sorry, with, with Tennessee, with uh, LSU. Um, you know, you had, you know, uh, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, I know he's not a big guy, but a very physical guy, hard guy to bring down. 
Um, very physical running back. Clemson wins the national title with Travis Etienne. Um, again, you, you just you want to have, uh, you know, you want to have a dynamic running back. But but what better guy to have if, if you're going to get these teams and these personnel issues than to have a guy who can just mash their teeth in? Oh. And that's the kind of back Branson Robinson is. I love it. You, you just go four wide out there. If if you're going to go single back like that and have have them out spread out there, you need a guy that you can trust in pass pro, a guy who's not afraid to go in there and throw his weight into the pass rushers. Got you know these these edge rushers in the SEC, and you know maybe give them second thoughts about trying to get to Georgia's quarterback, and and that's another skill set. I mean, you you mentioned that maybe. That's a question mark as far as what where Branson Robinson is as, as a pass catcher. And I just think it's more, you know, just like with Nick Chubb coming in high school, we just don't, we don't know that. We don't know where he is in that skill set yet. But as far as a guy that can go in there and, and not be afraid to, to pick up the blitzer and, and earn early snaps because of that, I think that, that that's definitely Branson Robinson. He checks that box, and I think that's what's going to get him on the field immediately you know, in 2022. Good point, Kip. Good point. And uh, listen, folks, that's all we got for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. Really glad you guys decided to listen. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get on to a little bit more of a regular schedule here and, and you know, keep, see if we can keep from getting picked off by life, uh, you know, at every turn. But, but we're, we're excited to be back. We're excited to be get going. Excited about the season. Not sure when preseason camp begins, but it's going to be soon. And then uh, Georgia's going to – I'm told it's going to be in that first full week, I'm sorry, in August. We'll see when it actually begins. It's usually somewhere around August 1st. But we'll have that news for you over at Dawes 24-7. We'll have this weekend covered as Georgia's having a having a having uh, some unofficial and maybe even some official visitors on campus. Uh, hopefully we'll get back to you later on and either, you know, preview or review what goes on there. But that's all we got for this one. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's Kip Adams from the same place, and you guys take it easy.